You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans, and welcome to your Monday edition of the Valentine's News Podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine, and we're here to talk about the remaining six weeks of the New York Giants season as the Giants come out of their bye week. Interesting times in the NFC East. Not exactly a great division, as we all know, but certainly a really, really interesting one. And here to help me uh, talk about all things Giants is John Schmelk of Giants.com. John, thank you very, very much for coming on the show. I could tell you're in the holiday spirit, Ed. You're being very kind to the NFC East at this time of Thanksgiving. The not great NFC East. Very kind words out of you. <laughs> well, you know, we don't want to, we, we don't want to start the show in that kind of a mood, John. We really don't, <laughs> do we? <laughs> no, I guess not. But Ed, it's, 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 it's good to hear your voice. Good to be with you. How's it going, man? Good, man. It's been a while since you and I got to chat. Haven't, uh, haven't been able to, uh, to see you around the Giants facility. So, uh, we miss yeah. being able to, to see you guys and, and, and chat with you guys. So, so good, to, good to talk to you. So let's, John, let's start with the NFC East. I mean, the NFC East stinks, all right? Let's, there you know, you go. <laughs> there we go. I to admit, with six games to go, sure as heck is interesting. Oh, yeah. I mean, this thing's wide open, right? I mean, you got all the teams with three wins. The Eagles have a half-game lead on everybody else, but they're probably playing the worst football of all the teams. I mean, I watched a lot of that game yesterday. Boy, Carson Wentz is playing some pretty bad football at he is just making bad decisions throwing balls up for grabs you know those types of turnovers and mistakes that 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 you hate you know Washington honestly it might it might be playing the best of the teams and you know the Giants have beaten them twice but remember the last win against them was only by three in a game where they were Giants were plus five in turnover ratio so I think you know talent wise and the way they're playing those two teams are very very similar and then Dallas, I thought, probably played one of their best games of the year against Minnesota. They had a really big win. And, Ed, one of the reasons Dallas has been so bad this year, aside from obviously losing Dak Prescott and then Andy Dalton getting hurt, was their offensive line. And they looked a lot better against Minnesota with Zach Martin at right tackle. And they've turned the ball over more than any other team in the league. I think, what are they, minus 7 or minus 9, something like that, crazy heading into this week. And they did not turn it over except for one pick against Minnesota. So if they can stop beating themselves, I think they're in the mix too. And frankly, if you made me guess right now what's going to happen, I would probably tell you the division might get decided on January 3rd when the Giants play the Dallas Cowboys at MetLife Stadium. That's how crazy it might be. Wouldn't that be a lot of fun? Oh, my goodness. Ed, just 
<laughs> just having meaningful football after Thanksgiving makes me extremely happy. It's been a long time. Yeah, it has. You know, both of those teams, Washington and Dallas, we we saw yesterday. I watched a lot of football yesterday, and and yeah, me too. They they got they got competent quarterback play, and and it's amazing, you know, what competent quarterback play can do in an NFL where it's yep. it's four or five games every week that decide these games. Yeah, look, there's not much difference between these teams nowadays. Now you got that, you know that. That group of teams at the top with the Steelers and the Chiefs and, you know, teams like that that are really, really good that are separated from the rest of the league. But otherwise, you get into everybody else, a couple of big plays here or there, a big mistake and a turnover here or there. And that's the difference. And Ed, just to bring it back to the Giants, the Giants' three wins have come in games where they've either won the turnover battle, which was twice, or they've tied in the turnover battle, which was their other win. All the other games, they've either tied or lost. So... Look, if the Giants can avoid beating themselves, that's like 99% of the league now, right? If you can avoid beating yourself and just doing stupid stuff and making bad plays, you're going to have a chance to win these games because everyone is just so darn close in terms of talent level and how they're playing. So everything is in the Giants' hands. Now, technically, I know fans like to use the expression, the Giants do not actually control their own destiny because they do need the Eagles to lose and, you know, Dallas – Right now, if they beat the Giants the final week of the season, they own that tiebreaker with the Giants, so the Giants do not control their own destiny. But they are in great a great situation here with a schedule that has some games that you can win starting this week at Cincinnati without Joe Burrow, which stinks. We won't get to see him. Um, you know, they have games that they can win, and, and they're probably going to be in the mix for this thing till the end. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and here's the thing. You know, we talk about the Giants, and you you mentioned it at the top. It's been a long time. You know, 2016, you know, was the aberration when the Giants went, you know, 11 and 5. And, but other than that, you know, since that 2011 Super Bowl, it just hasn't been good. And, and I look at, I look at this team now and would you agree with me that, you know, it's, it's not a championship team. It's not a great team. Obviously it started 0 and 5. You know, it was 1 and 7. But when you talk about progress, when you talk about development, which is, you know, th- are things that Joe Judge talks about all the time, it has to be a good thing for this football team to come down the stretch, you know, playing games that, that have meaning, that aren't just, you know, games to fill out the rest of the year. Yeah. And Ed, I want to see the improvement on the field continue. And, you know, it is about wins and losses, but in a lot of ways it's not about wins and losses, right? And that's something that Joe Judge has stressed in a lot of his media availability. And a lot of it is coach speak. I get that. But I think a lot of it's true. And something that we talked about a lot on, on Big Blue Kickoff Live, which is our Giants call-in show every weekday at noon on Giants.com, that the beginning of the schedule was always going to be extremely tough. You were playing in their first four weeks for the best defenses in football, specifically past defenses in football, in the Steelers, Bears, 49ers, and Rams. And four teams that were going to have a lot of continuity from last year, bringing back their quarterbacks, their head coaches, and a large part of their rosters. And that was always going to be a really tough stretch. And I thought it was really realistic, I know you did too, that it could have been a rough start to the season. Guess what? Without an off season, without a lot of practices, it was a rough start to the season. Yeah, but absolutely. I think the, but yeah, I think that, the and, oh, and that's ahead. fine. But the this team was playing much better football in December than they were playing in September and to see that improvement. So now the key to me is that 
these games against Tampa, Washington, and Philly, and I think Tampa and Philly were probably the two you know best well-played games the Giants have had this year. Continue that now into November and December. Don't backslide. Keep playing good, mistake-free football, and who knows where that can get you. And I think that's the important thing here is to keep playing the type of football you are heading into the bye week. Absolutely. You know, the thing about it is that there was always potential for that sort of 0-5 ugly-looking start. The thing to remember, and and Giants fans lose patience because it's been a while, because – this is the third year with Dave Gettleman because we've been through a head coach already, you know, with, with, with Gettleman. We're on the second head coach of, of his tenure as GM. You know, Giants fans want to win yesterday. And yet for me, this season is not necessarily about this season. This season is about building and, and where you are at the end of the year. And, and where you are going forward and, you know, is Joe Judge the right guy? Is Daniel Jones the right guy? All of that. So whatever good things happen this year, they're all building blocks for where the Giants are going. I see it, not necessarily where they are right now. Yeah, the end point of the journey was never going to come this year, right? I mean, this is the beginning, maybe not the start of the journey, but it's still the beginning part of the journey, right? And I think, you know, you mentioned the big thing is that can Daniel Jones keep playing good mistake-free football? And and that's a big part of this. Now, some of the turnovers and interceptions and stuff like that is luck. You know, people were so happy he didn't have a turnover against Washington. Well, he did fumble the football. He just happened to recover it. He didn't have an interception against Philadelphia. Well, he threw a pass that hit a Philadelphia Eagle cornerback in the face. (laughs) The Eagle cornerback just didn't catch it. You know, other weeks those guys will catch those plays. So a lot of these turnovers and stuff have to do with luck. Um, so it's not like I'm trying to take credit away from Daniel Jones for playing turnover free football. He gets credit for that, but you know, turnovers are plays where there is some, you know, good fortune involved, deflected passes, things like that. But I think a few things he's done that you really like this year, Ed, is that he's gotten rid of the ball a lot quicker. He's getting the ball out, which I think is, you know, preventing a lot of those sacks, which can turn into fumbles and turnovers. And he's not putting the ball into as many close, sp- in tight spaces in the secondary. And I think that's why Jason Garrett deserves a lot of credit, Ed, to be honest with you. I think he's been able to put together an offense where they're able to move the ball and make plays, even while they're not tasking the offensive line to protect for a five-step or a seven-step drop where he's sitting back there for four or five seconds. He's getting the ball out quick, and they're doing some different things to to, to run some quick game, max protection, play action, to still move the ball without putting undue pressure on that offensive line. I think I agree with that. I think that you have to understand and you know people people look at the first few games and 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 how poorly the Giants ran the ball and and all of those things. But when you talk about Jason Garrett, you look at the numbers, you look at the points being scored from the beginning of the season to now, there's been improvement. Even you know without Saquon Barkley, no offense to Wayne Gallman and and, and Alfred Morris, but but obviously some of those runs where Goldman's getting eight yards, you know, Barkley might get 30. But the the deal is that Jason Garrett has taken the weapons that he's got and he's figuring out how to get production out of them. They're figuring out, you know, how to run the football, how to get the ball to, to some of the wide receivers. I mean, I, 
I had all kinds of issues early in the season with so many short throws to Evan Ingram, but more the the farther we get into the season, the more we see him getting the ball downfield a little bit. Yep. So I would agree with you that that Garrett is figuring this out, and 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 that's progress. That's that's good for him. What I what I want to ask you about when the season started for me, we talk about everybody asks me all the time. What's a successful season? What's a failed season? And, and this and that. And I said, it has nothing to do with what the record is at the end of the year. It has to do for me with the answer to two central questions. One, do they have the right head coach? Two, do they have the right quarterback? I think we know they have the right head coach. I think the jury's still out on the quarterback. Um, although I think that that's trending up as well. Um, just your thoughts on, on whether you see it the same way and, and whether you would answer the questions the same way. Yeah, I think those are two very important parts of it. And I think all the signs with, with Joe Judge have been positive. Obviously, it's still a small sample size and things can change quickly in this league. But I think, you know, everything we've seen has been able to put together a very disciplined team that knows how they're going to play and how they're going to try to win. And, Everyone seems to be buying into it, which I think is important. Uh, he's a deep thinker. He's not a guy that just thinks on the surface, which I think bodes well for the future. Yeah, and look, the, the quarterback thing's everything. I mean, it just is. In this league, and you made this point before, it was correct, it's all about quarterback play in this league. You have to – you can get by for a little while if you play really good defense. If you don't have a great quarterback, that's fine, but it's not sustainable. You need high-level quarterback play to consistently win in this league. It's just the way it is, period, stop. And I think you've seen Daniel Jones start to play better. I think Daniel Jones, when he has better pieces around him and a better line in front of him and better weapons, I think he can be a a good starting-level NFL quarterback. Um, how good of a starting-level NFL quarterback? I think that's something we're still trying to figure out. Is it a you know low-end starting NFL quarterback? Is it a higher end? Is it an average? You know what is he? I don't think we know that. I think we know that he's not you know Brandon Whedon. We know he's not Paxton Lynch. We know he's not one of those guys, right? Um, but how good is he going to be? And that I think is a question that we're still trying to figure out whether or not he's a guy that can do a lot of things and win games on his own, or is he somebody that needs a lot around him? to win you know what I mean so I think that's kind of the questions we're answering now and if it's a guy that you need a lot around him to win is that somebody you want to invest in long term that's a question the Giants will have to figure out but he's just what now 22 games I think at into his starting career with 22 starts so uh everyone's been calling and asking me about the quarterback this year my answer is to everybody guys they don't have to make a decision today now, might they, have, might they have to make some kind of decision after the season? Sure, but I don't even, I'm not sure they're going to have to do that. I don't think the Giants are going to pick first, second, or third in this draft, so I don't think that's going to be a situation where they're staring you know, Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence in the face and they have to make a decision on that. So there's time here. Get all the data in, get all the information in, and then the Giants will make the decision. But I think you're right. I think he's shown that he he's an NFL quarterback. The question is how good of an NFL quarterback is he? And he's going to have some opportunities here, Ed, because while the first half of the schedule, as I mentioned, had some really good defensive teams on it, you're getting the Bengals and the Seahawks the next two weeks. These are not good defensive football teams. You're getting the Cleveland Browns. That is not a good defensive football team. You're getting the Dallas Cowboys. That is not a good defensive football team. 
So they're gonna, there should be some opportunities here for Daniel Jones to start racking up some numbers, even with everything around him. And I think Storing Shepard coming back has helped a lot, by the way. So you'll get a pretty good feel for what he is, I think, in the final six games. And the other thing I'll throw in there too, Ed, is I would like to see and get a better answer as to what they have on the offensive line. Like, is Shane Lemieux a long-term starter? You know, Andrew Thomas is going to be there for a few years, one way or the other. But I think getting a better feel for the offensive line here is also an important factor moving forward because there are some decisions they'll have to make in terms of what they want to do with certain players in the next couple of years. Hey, John, I want to take a quick break here, but I did want to mention, you know, you talked about the draft, and I wrote something this morning just in terms of draft order. As of today, the Giants are seventh. But when you look at it, there are a dozen teams with either three or four wins. Yep. And there's the possibility of winning the NFC East. So you're looking at, I know people love to try to figure out months and months ahead of time how the draft should go. But you're looking at drafting anywhere from third to 19th, if not higher, if you win a couple of playoff games. So (laughs) it's impossible to to be able to figure out what the Giants are going to be able to do in the draft. No, I'm with you 100%. It's way too early to figure it out. And at this point, just kind of guessing, that doesn't really do anybody good, right? You just got to wait to see where you are at the end of the year. Right. All right. Let's take a quick break here for a word from our sponsors at SB Nation. We'll come back. We'll keep talking with John Schmelk about uh, about more things uh, to do with your New York Giants. All right, Giants fans, we're back here on the Valentine's Views podcast, and we're talking with John Schmelk about your New York Giants as we head toward the, the back end of what's been a really, really interesting 2020 NFL season promises to continue to be interesting with the Giants in the hunt for the, uh, the NFC least title, as they say. Um, John, we talked a little bit before the break. You, you kind of mentioned the offensive line. So we kind of have to get into the whole Joe Judge, Mark Colombo, Dave DeGuglielmo, um, deal. And without getting deep into the whole thing, my concern right now is with a young offensive line, you have a first-time center who's a third-year player, but a first-year starter at a new position, first-year NFL starter really in Nick Gates. You have three rookies playing significant amounts of time. Will Hernandez is still a young player. My worry about the whole situation is that this group's been playing better for the last month, and my worry is just disrupting that progress at at this point. Do you share that worry at all? Yes, and I think that is a worry, but here's how I look at it. One thing, Ed, that Joe Judge has preached all offseason and during the season is that he's going to coach his players to take advantage of what they're good at, right? So I find it hard to believe that he's going to have his new offensive line coach, Dave, uh, Dave DeGuglielmo, come in here and change a bunch of stuff. You know, I, I don't see how that helps the team and helps these players midseason. Um, so my guess is that obviously he wants some change to occur. Otherwise, he wouldn't have made the position. But my guess is that the change will be as minimized as possible. and It'll probably be, you know, things on the margins to help individual players develop better and, and things of that nature, maybe make the guys work together a little bit better. But based on Joe Judge's philosophy and how he talks about, 
you know, using players, helping the team, not asking players to do things that they're not capable of doing to take them out of their comfort zone. You know, I find it hard to believe that he's going to have his new offensive line coach change these major things and how they do things technically, strategically, scheme-wise, because that not only sets the unit back, Ed, you know this, if the offensive line gets set back significantly, it setbacks the whole offense. It setbacks, it, it, it setbacks the quarterback. It's a setback to the running game. It's a setback to the running backs. It's a setback to the receivers. If the offensive line is not functioning, nothing works. So I would imagine that much like, at least according to reports, Joe Judge was more heavily involving himself in the offensive line coaching, um, moving into this move, you know, letting go of Mark Colombo. Uh, again, according to those reports, that's what was happening. He'll continue to do that and make sure that whatever changes the new coach is going to put in, it's not going to disrupt everything they're trying to do because that just seems to fly in the face of all the philosophical things that Joe Judge has talked about with us over the past four months. Right. You know, one of the things that that we need to talk about, I think a lot of this whole offensive line thing centers around the development of, of Andrew Thomas. It's been confusing to, to watch Thomas all season, to hear and read some of the things that, that, that we've read about Andrew Thomas. And, you know, just in terms of, is he using the technique that he was using in Georgia? Is he using a brand new technique that he was being taught this year? Why would you teach a guy a brand new technique when there was no offseason and, and, and such a limited amount of training camp? But bottom line is, I still think Andrew Thomas has played well the last three or four weeks. I still think this kid can be a really good NFL left tackle, but I honestly think that a lot of this whole thing with the offensive line has to center around making sure that Andrew Thomas becomes the player the Giants think he can become. 100%. I mean, look, you pick a guy fourth overall, you're going to need him to produce. I mean, you need to be a really good player. So, yeah, I'm with you. It's funny. You know, I talked to some people that really studied Thomas in college and does this, and they all thought that he would have to adjust his technique heading into the NFL because Georgia, you know, was a heavy, run heavy scheme. They didn't do a lot of deep drop back, so he didn't have to kick out as much as you do in the National Football League. Um, and to me, his struggles were, were fairly simple. And I've had, you know, Sean deal on our Giants huddle podcast which you can find on Giants.com, you know, podcast platforms, all that stuff. And, you know, they're like, John, look, he has good feet. He's got strong, good hands when he punches properly. Now his punch has to get more consistent. And that's something he wasn't asked to do at Georgia by his offensive line coach. There, We had his offensive line coach on our shows over the offseason. He said, look, we never really got into that, you know, really strong punch. So that was something that we're going to have to develop. We talked to Andrew Thomas's, um offseason trainer on the offensive line, and he talked about the same thing. But to me, his problem was pretty simple, Ed, is that he was worried about getting beat around the edge by fast pass rushers. So he was oversetting outside, which would leave an opening for an inside spin move or an inside swim or a bull rush to the inside shoulder. And that killed him. And it happened again and again and again. That's the worst thing a tackling can do is give a straight line to the opposing pass rusher off his inside shoulder because that's the quickest way to get there. And Thomas has the length, he has the arms to push pass rushers around the quarterback outside. And I think that's what we've seen him do more of the past few weeks. And he's not getting beat inside. In fact, we saw an inside move against Philly. I think it was Derek Barnett. And for a second, it looked like he had given up the inside shoulder, but he ended up carrying him across the inside part of the line past the quarterback. So we're seeing progress in that way. 
Uh, this, and I asked this question to Shona Harris straight up, and I'm not an offensive line technique guy or scheme guy. You know, I'm not a guy that knows all that stuff. I do my best. I learn what I can. But I asked Shona Harris because he did this for a living, what he thinks of Thomas. And is this another Eric Flowers situation? And he said flat out, this is not an Eric Flowers situation. This guy has the feet. He doesn't, you know, hug. He actually gets his hands inside. And he has the athletic ability, skill, work ethic, and all that stuff to be a good offensive tackle in the National Football League. So, and by all accounts, he's coachable, which is something Eric Flowers had some issues with as well. So, Ed, I think the, the arrow's still pointing up. Obviously, the start of the season is not what anybody wanted. It was not near good enough. And he's still not playing well enough. He needs to continue to get better. But I think you're seeing improvements along the way. And you hope that can continue even with the addition of a new coach on the offensive line. Right. I think that I had talked to Sean during the off season <clears throat> about Thomas and, and, and I know Sean loved the pick of, of Thomas. And I think that what, what you get into and you know this for, from the fan base is sometimes the, the first thing that you see, you kind of hang on to. And he wasn't good at the beginning of the season. Yep. So right away, people write him off. Right away, people go to the Eric Flowers thing. Right away, they go to, oh, my God, he's a bust. We've screwed up another draft pick. But it's not about the first five games. It's about what kind of player can he be? Can he be that guy on the left tackle side, you know, on on the blind side of Daniel Jones for five years, six years, seven years, eight years? Can he be that guy? And, you know, like the arrow's pointing up, but we don't know the answer to that yet. No, we don't, and that's why he's continue to keep playing better. Um, look, I get it. Giant fans have Eric Flowers post-traumatic stress disorder. I understand. I get it. <laughs> so do I. I've took yeah, me too. Eric Flowers on this show for four years. I was tired of it. I was done oh. with it. I don't want to have to do that again with other offensive linemen. But based I, I was, on the guys, that I was I've watching games to, yesterday, John. I was watching games yesterday, and I watched Miami. I was like, oh, Eric Flowers sighting. Wow, thank God he plays for somebody else. Right, and look, again, I, I make sure I talk to the, you know, guys like Dylan O'Hara because they do this stuff and they're honest with me. They don't pull any punches and they still think that Andrew Thomas is, is going to be a very good player. And here's another thing. You know, I talked about this with Daniel Jones, right? Well, these next three weeks, this Giants offensive line has the chance to play their best football. And fans get mad at me because I always bring up the opponents, but in this league, Ed, it's a matchup league. Opponents matter. They matter a lot. And the first half of this season, I'm not talking about individual pass rushers now because everyone has some good individual pass rushers. A left tackle in this league is never going to have uh, easy matchups each week. You know, they're going to have to play really good football teams. But coming up here, the Giants are taking on three teams, the Bengals, the Seahawks, and the Cardinals, who are all ranked, and this is their rankings, 32nd, 29th, and 23rd in pressure rate, and the Browns ranked 22nd in pressure rate. Okay, those are the next four teams. They do not pressure the quarterback well. The first half of the season, here's where the Giants opponent opponents ranked in pressure rates. Okay, first, second, third, fifth, 16th, 18th and 21st. There's no team that had a tougher schedule against opposing pass rushers in the Giants. Again, this is just Thomas specifically. It's the line as a whole. So they're getting much softer opponents in terms of pass rush the next four weeks. So. If you're continuing to see issues up front protecting the quarterback the next four weeks, to me, because of the quality of the opponent, that's a huge red flag. My hope and my expectation would be we're going to see continued improvement 
because you're not playing some of the best pass rushing teams in the league. So we'll have to wait and see. Hey, before we, I need to ask you, we've spent a lot of time on the offensive side of the ball. I need to ask you about the defensive side of the ball. And I'll be honest, when Patrick Graham was hired as defensive coordinator, that was the one hire that I looked at and I, I don't know one because why would Miami let him go after a year? You know, a guy that had worked, Brian Flores, who had worked with Patrick Graham in New England. Why would he willingly let Patrick Graham take basically the same job? And I know Graham also got the assistant head coach title, but, but you know, that's just for show really. Um, but Patrick Graham, the job he's done on this defense, just incredible job, incredible improvement. You know, from a defense, when you look at the, the, the talent, you, you look at the, the number of, of holes that they still have when you think of the personnel. Just amazing to me, the job that Patrick Graham has done. How, what, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm with you. And the pass rush has been better than I thought it was going to be too. Look, they're 25 sacks is seventh in the league. I'm not a big sack guy. I think a lot of them are random, but even their pressure rate is, is strong. They've pressured teams on 32% of their dropbacks is 10th in the league. One percentage above the league average right now. The Giants do blitz a lot. They're in the, I think they're 10th or 12th in terms of blitz percentage. So they, they do blitz to get there. Um, which, which, which does matter. I think it's 12th in the league. Uh, their blitz rate. So that helps, but still it's better than I thought it was going to be, Ed. Uh, Leonard Williams is having basically the same season he's always had in terms of total pressures. He's just getting homework for sacks. So that's been the difference with him. But if you look at his total pressures, they're about where they've always been. Um, but he's just getting home a couple times more, which I think some of that is random chance to, you know, some of the stuff we talked about earlier. But what's impressing the most with Graham is that I'm sure you caught him in July and you injected him with some truth serum. He'd tell you that he wants to play a lot of man-to-man defense and press man and blitz and do all sorts of crazy stuff. Well, I think he figured out pretty quickly that with the talent on this roster, that was not going to be a way to win football games this year. So instead, he adjusted. He looked at the talent. He said, all right, how do I win with this group of guys? I'm going to win by playing a lot more zone defense. The Giants, and I put it, had this in my article on my little, you know, bi-week review on Giants.com. This year, the Giants play, and I'm looking for the numbers so I can give it to you exactly. They've run cover one, which for the fans that don't know is single high safety, man-to-man across the board. And sometimes you have a robber there at the safety position too. They've run it only 14% of the time this year, which is the fourth lowest rate in the league. They're second in the NFL in the percent of the time they run cover two fourth in the league in the percent of the time they run cover three. So he runs a lot of zone defense. The Giants do not give up big plays. You remember the last couple of years, eh? it was a big play waiting to happen. Free runners, 20 yards down the field, all over the place. That doesn't happen anymore. They've cleaned that up. Their scheme sound. The players do their job to steal the Bill Belichick line. And they don't give up big plays. Their red zone defense has been one of the best in the league, which is why they've been able to keep opponents' points down. But Graham has adjusted what he wants to do to what will work. And while they don't do anything fancy back there, pre-snap, they do a great job of disguising what coverage they're in. 
you know, their front has been so good, especially against the run with Williams, Lawrence, and Tomlinson and Blake Martinez. They don't have to bring a safety into the box for the most part. So they can start with those two safeties deep. They run those three safety packages. And from that two safety deep shell, you can go into cover two. You can go into cover three. You can go into, you know, cover one. You can go into quarters. You can play two safeties deep man under. And it keeps the opposing quarterback guessing. And combine that then with being scheme sound, it's turned this into a very, very solid defense that has done its job well. Is it spectacular? No. I think they're still in the 20s in the league. I think, what, 23rd in pass yards allowed per game heading into the bye. and looked at it since. And 20th, 21st in yards allowed per pass play. Those numbers need to get better, and that's one of the reasons they've lost some close games at the end of games, right? Because they haven't been able to to get the stops that they need at the end of games. Now, they did that against Philly and Washington. That's why they won those two games. So there's still ways for them to get better, and they still need more talent, another cornerback, another pass rusher. Those things, those things still need to happen. But I think Graham has done as well as he possibly could have, given the talent that was given to him on the roster this year. And I think he deserves a ton of credit for that. I would agree, John. As always, hey, thank you very, very much for for coming on the show. Should be a really interesting six game sprint here down the uh, down the rest of the way. Hope you uh, stay safe here with Thanksgiving coming up, with the holidays coming up. You and yours stay safe. Everybody stay safe. Uh, just uh, give the folks a quick primer on on Big Blue on Big Blue kickoff and on uh, on where they can find your work before I let yeah. you go. Absolutely, Ed, and, and you too. Have a, have the listeners all have a great Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well, Ed. Everyone stay safe out there. Yeah, look, the Giants Podcast Network. Just go to Giants.com slash podcast. We have Big Blue Kickoff, which is every day, Monday through Friday at noon. We take calls from fans, talk Giants football, whatever you want to talk about. We don't No topics are off limits. Come give us a call. Have some fun. You know, me, Lance Meadow, Paul Dottino, Jeff Fegels host the show. Then it gets posted up as an archive every day at Giants.com slash podcast and your favorite podcast platforms. And then you have Giants Rewind. Giants Rewind, we have one of our analysts on every week breaking down the game. It's a lot of X's and O's. And then Giants Huddle, which is our long-form interview podcast with either analysts or players, you know, talking about the team. So that that's kind of what you can do. Just go to Giants.com slash podcast, search on your favorite podcast platforms. That's where you can find it. All right, Giants fans. Have a good Thanksgiving if uh, if I don't talk to you again before then, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.